The sweet sound of sports you love from Sling. The collide of football pads. The squeak of shoes on a basketball court. The crack of the bat on a home run. The slice of skates cutting across the ice. But what about this one? That's the sound of all the sports you love. All at once. Starting at $40 a month. Experience it all live with Sling. Sling. This is Off Track with Hinch and Rossi. Hello and welcome to another episode of Off Track with Hinch and Rossi. I know it's been a bit, but we're excited to be back. I am James Hinchcliffe, joined as always by 2016 Indianapolis 500 winner, season like 78, amazing race, third runner-up, and all-around good guy, Alexander Rossi. (laughs) Um, it was season, uh, were you like 32 or something? It was either 29 or 30. Um, that's how much of an impression it left on me. I think it was Um, 30. I think it was 30. But guys, I'm happy to be here, but I'm also really happy that for the first time in like three months, we can talk about a race that wasn't on the internet. That is, yeah, that's a great, I mean, we can talk about a few of those too, if you want. We still, you you gave your sim away or gave it back. I don't, I don't, I don't know anything about it anymore. You don't do that anymore. Okay, well, in that case, why don't, uh, why don't you tell us all about being back in a race car, Alejandro? Well, honestly, I want to I start with you, James. I, I just want to ask, you know, we've talked on this show a bit about the aero screen. You know, I got to drive it a little bit pre-Texas, um, but you hadn't even sat in it until like a week before um, you went down to race in Texas. So what were your thoughts? What did you think of it? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's obviously we're living in a weird time. And because of everything, I hadn't, yeah, I hadn't even fit in the race car until I think the Friday before Texas, so about a week before. And even, you know, at that point with everything, going into the shop was a completely new experience. You know, you have to get your temperature taken on the way in. You have to wear a mask. Uh, the shop's operating under shift work. So I, I got in, sat in the car felt relatively comfortable just kind of sitting in it in the shop. I mean, obviously it feels different. Like in the way I did it, they put a, uh, they, they had me in the car and then, and then added the halo and then added the windscreen. And it was an even weirder feeling sitting in the car normally and then having the pieces kind of one by one be, be placed sure. on top. Uh, but seemed all right. And then, uh, then got to Texas and I hadn't been in a race car since, uh, since Laguna in, in September. So it'd been a while for me in general and obviously all new team, new crew, uh, new aero screen. And I gotta be honest, man, like we sat through a lot of conversations about the potential issues with this thing and how different it was going to be, whatever, whatever, whatever. Man, when push came to shove, it was like, it was like pretty, pretty transparent, like, Literally. I know there's a, there's a joke, yeah. There's, there's a bad joke there. I'm glad you made it. Um, but no, like, I mean, it's, it was, it was weird. <clears throat> it was weird um, not feeling the wind on your helmet, mm-hmm. you know, and, and, uh, and not hearing as much wind noise. Um, but visually, you got over it really quick. The heat thing was the other big issue. And I, I don't know. 
what you thought about it. I mean, obviously Texas in June is always kind of stinky hot, but having this sort of reduced airflow and I know that there's like a helmet vent that plugs in, but that didn't really, that didn't really do a ton for me. Um, see, I didn't, I didn't think it was, it was that bad. Um, but the, the one thing, I mean, getting to the, the visuals of it all, like I, I agree. I mean, I was someone that was fairly against it and I think, that it went off relatively smoothly considering the situation everyone was put in. And, and I was pleasantly surprised with, with a lot of it. Um, <clears throat> but I found it really weird in the big bankings kind of looking, cause you kind of always look down a little bit cause you know, you're obviously vertical in, in some capacities. And I thought like that narrower strip of vision kind of to your lower left, was a little bit strange and kind of difficult to kind of place the car on the white line, especially initially. Um, so that was interesting for me, obviously only really an issue, I believe on ovals, but it'll be interesting like on a street course when you're kind of tracking out to an exit wall and I don't know, maybe it'll be fine. So that's kind of one visibility concern that I have. Um, and then the heat. Yeah. I mean, I, I thought it was manageable, but it was, it was pretty odd and like, Ram air at 200 miles an hour is going to be a lot different than um, a little bit of blowing at 90 miles an hour in Detroit or wherever we're racing. So um, I still think there's questions to be answered, but but yeah, relatively, I thought it was it was pretty good. You know what's funny though? So one of the things that a lot of people don't know when we're driving on ovals is you know when you're in mid corner, right? So let's go pre aero screen. Your mid corner, your right hand sits above the lip of the tub. So it's essentially in the air, right? It's just getting un unobstructed air. And so often ovals are very dirty and dusty and have bits of little bits of stones, debris, whatever, dirt. And sometimes those things, they pelt you in the knuckles, right? So your mid corner, you get pelted in the knuckles at like 200 something miles an hour. It stings. It sucks. I'm not going to lie. So one of the things I was really excited about with the aero screen was that that was going to be a thing of the past. Nay, nay. They put a I big was so vent. Surprised. Dude, the first time it happened, I'm like, wait, what? There's a big vent at the front of the aero screen to, to divert some air in, and it's right at knuckle level mid-corner. <laughs> and Texas was very dusty and dirty, and I got pelted in the knuckles a ton, and I was very upset about it. Yeah. That was one of the one things I was most looking forward to with it. It was like, well, at least my hands aren't going to hurt anymore. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, here we are. So, and then the other thing, obviously, that's a huge concern, um, but not much we can do about it, is, you know, the race was kind of garbage. I mean, I'll be honest. Um, kind of from uh, the outside looking in, I, I don't think it was the best race we've ever had. Obviously, some of that was due to lack of, of, of testing. Um, some of that was due to obviously the new device, Firestone not being able to, to really have their operations up and going as much as they would like um, due to the coronavirus shutdown and everything. But looking ahead to August and the Indy 500, I mean, are you not a little concerned that we could take, you know, a couple steps back in terms of the product that we're putting on, especially so how hot it's going to be? So there, there are two things that I think were unique to Texas that contributed to the show not being as good as it's been in the past. 
<clears throat> and and they're yeah like I said they're they're unique to that situation. The f the first one is you know we've ever since the repave and the reprofiling turn one two has been a lot difficult to be two lanes. We've never really properly got it to a two lane uh, surface again <clears throat> in one and two. Three and four was always fine, but when NASCAR laid down the traction compound uh, for whenever the last Cup race was there, I mean I think I think they've got a chase race right. I don't know, maybe, I don't know. But anyway, sometime in the fall, um, even though the, the compound itself is worn off by the time those guys finish their race, what it does do is it stains the asphalt. And the second lane on both ends of the racetrack was significantly darker in color and thus absorbing more heat. So we talked about the heat. The Texas heat was incredible. <clears throat> Some of the hottest track conditions we've seen. But in the second lane, it was even hotter. It was about 20 degrees hotter track temp because of that different coloration. And so <clears throat> you went from a, a lowish grip scenario anyway to a much lower grip scenario in the second lane. And even with that, we've always seen the second lanes a little bit less grip. But one of the, the, the other issue that we had, the second part of this, is that we normally run with the, the Craftsman trucks or the Camping World trucks, sorry. <clears throat> And those guys do a great job of running up in that second groove and, and cleaning it off. So even though it's not our rubber, it's at least clean from just all the crap that sits on a racetrack. And so we didn't even have that cleaner surface to try to start to lay some of our rubber down. So to me, those were two very significant contributing factors to the racing, the quality of the racing at Texas that don't necessarily apply to Indy. So I'm I'm still I'm still on the fence. I just don't know. I don't know. I don't think we I don't think any of us know yet what it's going to be like. Yes, for sure the hotter temps that we're going to see compared to May, that's not going to be better. No doubt about it. But I don't think it's necessarily a write-off just because of what we saw in Texas. That's actually very good points. That's why um you are the mature and uh vastly more intelligent one on this podcast. Um so yeah, okay. Well, uh, Texas. So that that's how how it how it was. Um, how'd it go for you though? Like you know. The, well, like actual... I, I I made it off the grid, so oh, you beat me. <laughs> I, I at least beat you to the green. I was like, oh sweet, couple spots already. Here we go. Here we go. Unfortunately, they were two of my teammates. <laughs> you also beat me to the checkered flag, so it's fine. Did I? I sure hope so. <laughs> no, buddy. I had a I had a very problematic pit stop about three quarters of the way through the race that cost me three laps because it was under green. So I was I was running oh. I was running about where Colton was. Colton and I were kind of trading places each stint, and I think he ended up like sixth or seventh. So I think we were on track for something around there, but we had just uh, we had an issue in one of our stops. We couldn't get the right rear tire off. And, uh, and it was under green, so it just, you know, it just kind of murdered us there, which, you know, it's, it's racing, these things happen, um, but it was just, it was just so nice to get back, you know, I mean, it was one of the most oh, difficult I races. I did beat you, I finished 15th, huh. Well, and what, what was I, like 18th or something? Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, so, so good not job. A, not, not a great showing for um, off track, by any stretch of the imagination. If only Tim had been there to, No, you know, no. We should have just, it should have been off lap. <laughs> off laps. Yeah. But, but, so not, a, not, not necessarily the hallmark showing for Andretti Autosport overall, but uh, mad props to Zach Veach, man. Yeah, mad props to our buddy Zach Veach. He put on a hell of a show all day. I mean, he was good in practice. He qualified well. He raced well and, and pulled home his best finish in IndyCar, which is pretty exciting. And also Connor, who, 
also had a hell of a night, which is had a barn amazing. burner of a race. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, and that's the thing, like, Zach qualified well and finished well, but Connor qualified a lot further back and just made up a crazy amount of spots on a track that, as we were just discussing, was very hard to pass on. So, yeah, yeah, very well done, Nick. Connor in the old Carlomobile. Um, so, yeah, okay. Well, you know, even though it didn't go well, um, glad we're back racing and uh, can't wait to do it again here in about a week and a half. One of the things I've been asked a lot about it was – how was it racing with no fans? And I mean, for me personally, it's, it's so different for us than I think it is for like traditional arena sports, you know, hockey, baseball, football, basketball. When we're in the car, even the Indy 500, 300,000 people, 350,000 people packed into that place. They can scream as loud as they want. We're not going to hear it. You know, they can, they can jump out of their chairs and wave their arms all they want. We're not going to see it. You know, for us, all of that is absorbed before the race and after the race. But during the competition, we don't get any of that. <clears throat> we don't draw energy off the crowd. <clears throat> Excuse me. The same way that, like, in a basketball game, you make a sick three-pointer at home. You know, it's, it's at a crazy feeling. The atmosphere is crazy. The team can feed off that. So for us, I don't think it was as different as it would be for other sports. But how did you find it? Um, I, I honestly, I didn't notice it at all. And I think some of that was due to the fact that we were in and out so quickly. Um, you know, usually, you know, there's a bit more time between sessions and you have a bit more free time, if you will, to, to kind of just experience the race weekend. Um, and, and we didn't really have that. So in a lot of ways, you know, it kind of felt, it didn't really feel like a race day, race weekend anyways. It kind of felt like an extended open test type of thing. Um, so yeah, I mean, it was, it wasn't that strange. However, I think we'd both have very different opinions had we, you know, been on the podium um, because I think that's where the biggest difference kind of comes in, right? Obviously, there's the kind of atmosphere that you feel going into the race, but honestly, you're so kind of one track minded and focused that in a lot of ways you try and block that out. Um, but then, you know, if you have the result, then that's kind of the moment to, to share that with the fans and everything and share that joy. So I bet for, for Scott, it was super weird um, to kind of go in victory lane and have like fireworks and stuff, but then nobody. Yeah, it had to feel the like Fontana. He's won literally so many races, he won't even realize that this one was any day. It'll just get lost in the myriad of victories that he's had in his life. That's but you know what? Point. You bring up you bring up a good point because you know you and I were watching uh, the the uh, Supercross finals uh, the other day. And uh, cheering on our, our buddy Chad Reed in his in his final ride, quote unquote. Um, but I, they it was the, it was a championship decider, and I watched the presentation of giving the number one plates to all the riders that had won championships. And I remember thinking, man, I feel really bad for those guys because nobody got to be there. It was li- it was zero fans, limited staff, limited press. There, it's like this this crowning achievement, this huge moment in their career, and they kind of had to celebrate it in that moment with like a handful of people. So it it sucks that they didn't get the opportunity to kind of get that buzz and that sort of adoration that they really deserved, but hopefully it gets, you know, it gets made up for them later. Yeah, for sure. I think it's, um, it's done, it's done nothing this whole process, but kind of give me a a huge amount of appreciation for the things that were so, um, just normal, I guess. And I guess that's a cliche thing to say, but like, because it all happened so quick, none of us were, really planning on, on not going racing in St. Pete in March. And now we're, we're almost, well, I mean, I wasn't, but 
that is that is true. You've done the exact same amount of races as everyone this year, so congrats. That's true. That's true. Um, so I think it's it's going to be really really special. Maybe on these races where we don't have fans, you don't notice it that much, but I think we will notice it tenfold when we get to Road America and there are fans. It'll be like, thank God, this is what it's supposed to be. We're kind of taking yeah. a step back Great in the point. right direction. So I'm really I'm really looking forward Great to it. Great point. I'm not looking forward to Tim being allowed to be there though, because that was, I guess, one of the. Good that's benefits. yeah, that's fair. I get that. I again, I had somebody reach out to let me know that I was I'm not considered essential, which they knew I wasn't coming. Like they already knew I wasn't gonna be at the race. <laughs> they just felt the need to yeah, we, add, hey, <clears throat> even if you were coming, which we know you're not, you're not allowed. And it was just like, that was hurtful. Yeah, we we made sure they sent that email. That yeah. was that was. Uh, yeah, it was instigated by us. Yeah, that hurt. That hurt the feelings. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, what was it like? Okay, I, I know you, you talked about briefly. They they like checked your temperature going in. I mean, you guys didn't take the charter, right? What was it like getting there? You you go from traveling like every weekend for a year to not traveling for a few months. I mean, if anybody can tell what was different about commercial flights, what was it like for you guys to get there? So the, the big thing that was weird for me was you, you take off in Indianapolis and Indianapolis has its own set of rules um, and kind of nothing's open. You've got your, your odd newsstand open. I don't even know if like Starbucks was open or whatever. So kind of everyone's, it's pretty quiet in the airport. Everyone's kind of looking around. Everyone, you know, most people have masks on and, you know, they're sitting apart from each other. And that was kind of to be expected and, and not really that that weird to be honest um then you get on the flight it's pretty much the same but then we land in dallas and dallas literally tgi fridays is open the bar's going <laughs> music is playing you know people are having meals together and, and really nothing's that different and that was kind of it's just it's amazing how many different kind of philosophies and approaches to this whole thing there has been and, and you can just get on a two-hour flight and it's it's all completely different so for me that was that was a big deal otherwise um you know you get on an airplane you sit down you watch your movie and then you get off so for i mean for me it was a little different because the the middle seats were open did you not have middle seats open alex um i was in i was in first so i don't know <laughs> Oh, okay. Not only were you in first, so there are no middle seats, you didn't even bother to look back at the regular <laughs> passengers to notice. If they, Did you notice like a two-thirds full flight maybe? Or were you too deep into your, uh, your gin and tonics to know what was going on back there? You see, I wasn't going to mention it, but that was a big disappointment was there was no in-flight service of beverages. <laughs> um, even in the first class cabin, but I wasn't going to bring it up. So, um, no, it was a completely full flight. I did know that. So that's interesting. So I, I flew Southwest and all four of my flights, yes, because I'm a terrible flight booker. I had to connect both ways going from Indianapolis to Dallas. Alex, <clears throat> stop shaking your head. You've already yelled at me <laughs> about this once. Even though literally Dallas-Fort Worth is one of the largest hubs in the United States for no, the I'm, largest I'm, airline I'm in the world. No, I'm, you, I'm, I'm well aware. You couldn't find a direct flight? I'm well aware. <laughs> <clears throat> but, uh, you know, old, old Herb there at Southwest. There's really like seven uh, a day. You know. 
Maybe, well, yeah, so when I looked, though, they were full. And then, and then I realized that they weren't later. Mm. It's a whole thing. Uh, yeah, to wear masks the whole flight, mildly weird. Just as, you know, com- you, you know and to Tim's point, comparing beforehand. Um, always, like, being self-conscious about taking it off to, like, take a sip of your water and then putting it back on. You know, like, that was kind of a weird sort of thing. But uh, but no, I mean the 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 general process is very similar still, and uh, I would say they've done a good job, kind of you know trying to get that industry back to uh, operating in a normal ish way, but still kind of being responsible about it. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I, yeah, I I was a little bit disappointed with how full flights were because I was going to use this as a great opportunity to not feel guilty about bringing my dogs on planes. Um, <laughs> but uh, it would seem that um, people aren't that concerned about flying anymore. So there you go. Yeah, I, I flew uh, with my daughter and my dog back to L.A., but we couldn't find any directs from L.A., and I just didn't want to have Hazel in a mask and for the whole time and deal with Teddy you know, in the airport during a three-hour connection or whatever. So we just rented a car and drove up to Chicago and flew, but it was weird how full the plane was. Like Going in, I, I kept hearing, oh, they're going to keep the middle seats empty. They're going to do all this. They're going to board from the back of the plane. Everybody has to wear a mask. None of that was true. They boarded like normal groups. Middle seats were full. They didn't say anything to people who weren't wearing masks. It was uh, it was weird. Man, I'm I'm gonna give Southwest another another shout out here because even the boarding process, rather than lining up, you know, groups of thirty like they normally do, they did it in groups of ten. So you know, it may have taken an extra five minutes to board, but everybody was like massively spaced out getting on the flight and still had the space on the plane. So Southwest for the win, boys. Still not gonna fly Southwest. Yeah, still not. (laughs) Still still a hard pass. Yeah, I gotta stick with American. I think <laughs> it, it is interesting though, because like you would think Southwest. I mean, being a Dallas-based company, right? And how much we've seen in kind of the different approaches, West Coast to East Coast, Midwest, you know, Southern, etc. You'd think Southwest would actually be kind of more on the lenient side, but it seems they took more of a West Coast approach, which is, I mean, it's interesting. I guess it just. Again, there's, yeah. there's two two thought processes, but I would have imagined they would probably be the loosest um, or most relaxed. Well, so yeah, that's a good, let's, good point. You guys coming up next? We got we got Indy, and then what? Road America. I, I haven't kept up with the schedule. I don't know what what everything's changed, but I mean, you're back, right? Next month, it's back. <laughs> next 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 month is wild. We have. Um, yeah, what, five races in the space of like 13 days or something crazy? So um, it's going to be it's gonna be hectic, um, but yeah, it's good. It's, it's great that, you know, Road America and Iowa um, were able to accommodate and, and run double headers. Um, it was great that, you know, we were able to, to keep as many tracks as, as we have been on the schedule. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm really excited to, to get going and kick it off. Is it, is it? Is it great? Is it great that Iowa's a doubleheader for you? Is that something that you're excited about? For, for me personally, no, it's absolutely terrible. They couldn't have chosen <laughs> the worst track for me to have two races at. But I'm taking the unselfish approach here, and I'm just happy that we're getting in as many races as we are, considering our season's really starting July 4th. I don't really count Texas, to be honest. That is 
That's a, that's a great point. And actually, I mean, speaking of July 4th, it is our next race and it's at Indianapolis. So that's always exciting, but man, it's the first time ever we've got the double header with NASCAR, which I think is awesome. And I, and I love, you know, there are so many stories in different ways and different, you know, capacities that out of everything that's happened with the pandemic, these cool stories and examples of people helping people and, and, and organizations helping organizations and working together Having NASCAR and IndyCar a double bill on the same weekend on July Fourth, no less. I mean, I'm not even American, and that gets me jacked up. But us racing on the road course on Saturday, and then the Brickyard uh, on the on the Oval, obviously on Sunday. It's I think that's going to be like an awesome, awesome weekend. I think I'm kind of curious, but this just popped up. How are they doing the garages? Are you guys sharing garages? Are they using the the other stall? Like, how is that going to work? So they use the Formula One garages, and okay. we'll use the same ones we normally do. Makes sense. Because even during Brickyard, that's what they do. They use those ones anyway. Oh, I didn't know that. I've never been to the Brickyard. Yeah. Well, you're you know, not a real fan. so I can't wait uh, to get my notice that I'm not essential for this race as well. I'm looking forward to that. <laughs> I can't wait till they tell you that in in Iowa and Road America, both places you're allowed to go, free will, <laughs> but they're just going to remind you, you're still not essential, but I guess you're allowed to still come. It, uh, it hurts every time. All right. You're allowed, <laughs> but we would prefer it if you didn't. <laughs> you're, you're allowed, but strongly encouraged to stay home. <laughs> yeah. Not when because you of your own safety, just because we don't want you. Yeah, no, I, I got it. I understood. Okay. Yeah. yeah, the okay. joke didn't need we would further like, elaboration. <laughs> we would like you to social distance of six miles uh, from the facility. <laughs> yeah, you can never be too careful. <laughs> no, you really can't. You really can't. Uh, so, Alex, uh, 500 aside, uh, which of the remaining rounds, I know we've only done one, but just because everything's kind of different now. Which are you looking forward to the most? I mean, like maybe one of the ones that are different, you know, double headers. It like I imagine Road America double headers probably something you're looking forward to, given your performance there in the past. But is there is there one that you're like St. Pete in October? Is that one that you're looking forward to more? Or like what's 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 standing out for you? I hadn't thought about that. I mean, I think I think the one I'm thinking most about is Iowa. Um, but not because I'm looking forward to it. Um, I think it'll be a, you know, in, in, in way, in a lot of ways, I am. I think it's gonna be, it's gonna be the hardest test that anyone's had in an IndyCar in, in recent memory, or at least since I've been driving since 2016. So I, I'm looking forward to what that means. Like, are you, are people like falling out of the seat one stint into the second race like how how is it actually going to be different is it going to be different at all are people just going to be able to suck it up and and manage it and it's fine so i think um i have a lot of kind of forward thinking to that but then also i mean i hadn't even thought about it until you brought it up but st pete in october is going to be phenomenal the weather is going to be amazing indy's going to be getting cold everyone's going to want to go down there it's it's just it's the championship decider always a great turnout people are going to be so jacked to, to be able to go back after it was canceled so um that one's going to be great i'm definitely going to stay sunday night regardless of what happens that's for sure samesy samesy <laughs> no i think you, you bring up a great point about iowa though right like i think i think drivers love challenges and this is as you said one of the biggest challenges i think that any of the drivers have faced in a long long time that track is a very physical track. 
high banks, high speed, almost no time for rest. If it's a 17 second lap, you're cornering for about 10 of that, right? And so in those corners, you know, it's three and a half Gs. You're holding your breath because your lungs don't really work at that kind of pressure. It's bumpy. The tire deg is high. So you're, it's always hot and, you know, just going to be hotter this year with the aero screen. So that's, that's normally a race that afterwards you're done and you're like, man, I'm, I'm going to enjoy a day off tomorrow. And the driver's not going to get that. They're not going to get that luxury. So it'll be interesting to see how people prepare for it differently and, well, and then ultimately, and it, you know, how they perform. And it's also going to be crazy to go through an entire race and then like start the weekend over. So like, how do you approach your next one hour practice, right? Or is it, at least in Road America, maybe not at least, but in Road America, you know, you have your practice, then you have a, your qualifying race, and then you just have qualifying race. Whereas in Iowa, practice qualifying race, practice qualifying race, how do you, I mean, you're going to know so much from what happened in qualifying, you're going to know so much from what happened in the race, is it going to allow teams and drivers to like really shake up the order? It's like, well, we could have been good, but we, we've never gotten the opportunity to do something back to back that makes sense it's always oh well for next year but you know the tires change conditions change everything changes now you're going to be able to see really i think a lot of interesting engineering um dynamics with with cars that maybe were not good on saturday go forward on sunday yeah the engineers are going to have a late night saturday trying to go through you know 300 laps worth of data and figure out what they can do better but then that, it brings up a good point right so you've you've got a, a, an entire race distance under your belt let's say you had a really strong car you had a, a an easy top three top five car for that for that one hour practice are you gonna you're obviously not going to change much so are you going to actually limit your running a little bit and, and take care of your driver? Give him a little bit of, of time off and, and not wear him out? You know how IndyCar engineers work it's, no, I, they, I understand exactly that's why I brought the point up. They make changes for the sake of making changes. You could be on pole I, by seven and a half tenths and they'll still run through changes. And it's like, it's good. Don't touch it. Nope. You think, Changing geos. Okay. okay. <laughs> Back to the garage. Let's throw the kitchen sink at it. See if we can go a different philosophy and be even faster. Yeah. I get it. But do you think, I mean... And maybe this this isn't a question that can be answered until after the race on Saturday. But do you think any drivers are going to be like, "Hey, man, you know what would be awesome? Not running seventy three laps in practice today." Yeah, maybe. I mean, I will let you know when you're up in your air conditioned booth drinking your ice cold lemonade. You know, just sitting in front of a microphone for the two days. Yeah, no, I'll be. Yeah. It'll be ex- my my jaw is going to be exhausted talking about how hard you guys are working out there. <laughs> Welcome, uh, welcome to my life, James. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. I'm, I'm getting paid for it, so it's oh. totally different. Yeah, no, I don't, I, I don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think what we can take out of this is that despite the delayed start and the bizarre circumstances under which the 2020 NTT IndyCar Series is happening, there's a lot of exciting stuff coming up, and I'm very excited to be a part of some of it. I wish I was part of more of it, but I'm very excited to be involved in all of it. And as a fan of the sport more than anything, uh, I think this could be one of the most exciting years in a lot of ways. And can't wait to see how it unfolds. At least we got off to a strong start. At least we've got (laughs) that going for us. Let's get all the bad luck out of the way now. Yeah, because that's how how motorsports works. 
Dude, this is Dixon's MO. Like, Dixon Dixon screwed himself. He never wins the first race of the year. He's literally never won St. Pete. Scott Dixon's won, like, 8,000 races. He's never won St. Pete. He's the guy that's famous for, like, making the late-season charge and winning every championship. This is this is what we're doing, man. We're just we're just playing that reverse psychology. He won the first race. He's done. I'm calling it now. No championship for Scott Dixon in 22. <laughs> I'm not going to say that. I'm actually not going to say. I'm not going to finish that sentence um, because that would just be a terrible. I'm not a betting man. If I was, that's not a bet that I would make. So I'm not going to. I'm just saying he's taking a different approach by winning off the bat. No, right. He's going to take a different approach to his seven championships. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> to prove that he is just as versatile in winning championships as he is in winning races and, yes, exactly. and everything else in life. Yes. Must be nice. Good for him. <laughs> I, I feel like if you go back through the history of Off Track with Hinch and Rossi, you could probably like – you could – Make a several-part episode just of us talking about Scott Dixon and how great he is. Yeah. It's funny yeah. you should mention it because I'm not going to do that. Oh, <laughs> you got me excited for a second. If somebody else wants to cut that for us, go for it. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> well, guys, um, as always, this has been an informative episode of Off Track with Hinch and Rossi, an even uh, more obvious um, episode proving Tim's worthlessness. And, um, yeah, just happy to, to be back here with y'all and uh, look forward to talking and catching up um, after the MDGP. Should be pretty wild. What's funny is this actually has been a moderately informative episode, which is weird because it's normally not. So, like, I the fact you I said it was kind of... So now we're taking yeah. a different MO for 2020. I wasn't listening. <laughs> I, was, I was zoning out. See you next time, guys. Thanks so much for listening to Off Track with Hinch and Rossi. Keep in contact with us on Twitter and Instagram. Our handle is at AskOffTrack. Or you can follow us individually. We're at Hinchtown and at Alexander Rossi. If you want to follow Thim, though we have no idea why you would, he's at the Tim Durham. We really need to get that changed to at producer Thim. The music you heard today is by Ryan Dan of Holland Patton Public Library. Off Track with Hinch and Rossi is produced by Tim Durham. And by that, I mean thin. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every goal, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply.